Welcome to another edition of the Game Preview Podcast. I'm rested up. Cynthia's not because she was had a busy Christmas weekend for her real job. You know, the NFL Network, kind of a big deal. Now joining us as she does each week. We're talking Jets Seahawks as the Jets go to Seattle in Week 17, the longest trip of the season for the New York Jets. And look, when they play Thursday Night Football, they lose to the Jaguars. They get 10 days on the back end. Mike White heals up. The ribs acceptable now for contact, so he's back in the lineup. Cynthia, like, how big of a difference do you think that Mike White in the lineup will make? And let's just start there in the first quarter because it feels like from when you're looking at, like, a temperature check on Twitter and social media, everyone's like, it, it's like a craze that Mike White is back. Is that too much expectations on his shoulders? Like, what do you think he's going to bring to the table Sunday? Well, we all know Twitter is the absolute best resource for the most cutting edge, truthful news to come out in any (laughs) moment at any time. But that being said, they are kind of right. Because when I look at Mike White and the difference that he makes in this offense, it's really about the ability to complete the downfield passes, as in those 10-plus air yard attempts that are game-changing plays. If you cannot complete downfield passes, it becomes extremely hard to consistently win. So when you're looking at Mike White's performance on such passes – 552. That's the number of yards he has on those passes. And when he was playing during that span, that ranked first in the NFL. And by the way, he has a 108.2 passer rating on these passes. That ranks sixth best in the NFL. And by the way, when you're looking to see the difference between what happens with your guy, Garrett Wilson, when he's getting to have the Mike White passes, that means fantasy gold, because I know this might be championship week for a couple people's fantasy leagues. Yeah, it's first of all, I know a couple people who are in their fantasy championships. Where do you stand? You're the reigning champ, aren't you? Yeah, I guess. Is this a sore subject Um, that I just brought up? No, it's fine. (laughs) Look, our researcher, Kareen, who is awesome, and she is like one of the best human beings on the planet. She won this year, and I'm very happy for her. I'm going to have, like, you know, to give up my trophy. But other than that, you know, no, I'm actually really, no, Kareen crushed it. She deserves to win completely. I will, like everyone else, I'll say, I was hampered by a series of injuries, but no one cares about your fantasy league. (laughs) All they care about is their own. So Garrett Wilson, fantasy owners, rejoice. Intermediate passes are back. That's where Garrett Wilson has 135 receiving yards over expected. That leads the league this season. And by the way, 102 of them came with Mike White. So we're going to focus on positives here. Garrett Wilson all day. Yeah, I Yes, yes. Positive vibes only. And for Garrett Wilson, he's four yards away, Cynthia, from reaching a thousand. He'd be the first Jets rookie receiver to do so in franchise history. You would imagine that would come in a couple days when the Jets take on the Seahawks in Seattle. But for Mike White, the passing numbers, they speak for themselves. Like he, he's hit 300 yards in each of the first two games that he played this season against the Bears at MetLife and then in Minnesota. He had a great game. Is this kind of like a similar matchup, do you think, in terms of defense going up against the Bears defense, the Vikings defense, and now playing against the Seahawks defense Sunday? Are they all in the same area to you, or do the Seahawks rank better or worse than those two teams I just said? I'm going to say, so, all right. The Vikings are really susceptible to the pass, but they're better against the run. Mm -hmm. The Bears, because Justin Fields runs so much, they're just different because it's just just different because the possession timing is a lot different. Now, this team 
they're not so, they have some points of vulnerability. And in fact, the one that stands out to me the most are on short passes. So anything under 10 air yards, they're the most vulnerable in the league. Highest passer rating given up on short passes, which means Mike White has a lot of different opportunities and looks, both because this team isn't so great against the run. They're not so great against the pass overall, but specifically those short passes, that's a pretty dangerous way to live if you're the Seahawks defense because that's the way you escape pressure. That's the way you use your running backs creatively. Hmm, who does that? Well, Jets. And then you're really looking to see the mixing up of the different looks for all the receivers and your tight ends in this. So it, that, that's a, it's a dangerous path that the, that the Seahawks have chosen. Well, you know, when you look at the Seahawks statistically, and this is not like next-gen stats. These are just like very bare-bone stats. Their mm-hmm. passing defense is statistically the strength of their defense. They're ranked 17th against the pass. They're the 29th overall defense, 31st against the run, 28th on third down, 29th in scoring, allowing an average of 25.3 points per game. And then takeaways are pretty good. So takeaways is actually the mm-hmm. strongest yep. statistic, 21 total. And that's tied for 10th in the league. And we're going to talk about Tariq Woolen, the Seahawks rookie corner, much like Sauce having a very good year for Seattle. Sauce having a great year for the Jets. We're going to talk about the rookie classes. But for Mike White, like you would imagine that it's a favorable matchup, all things considered, considering the last game that he played was against the Buffalo Bills, right? Yeah. A little bit easier this time around compared to the Bills, <laughs> but but look, the the reality is is the the whole point, the way that the Jets win this game is achieving balance. What we saw, I know it wasn't, I know last week wasn't Mike White, but what we saw when you can't have that balance with the run game is that things become really really difficult. Now Mike White is a really good passer. I'm not taking anything away from him, but in general, the fact that the Seahawks are so a, like generous to opposing rushers means that you shouldn't be in these like third and crazy situations. You shouldn't be in second and crazy situations. You should be in nice manageable downs and distances so that you're keeping the flow of the game in the favor of the Jets. You've got to run the air out of the football because we've seen, we'll talk about Geno Smith in a minute, but he's done really well in those downfield passes too. Harder task this week. But the point is, is controlling the football makes it harder for the things that the Seahawks do well to actually happen. Yeah, and Mike White in three games this year, it's it's interesting because he's one and two in three games. He's thrown for 952 yards. That's an average of over 315 yards per game. He has three touchdowns, two interceptions. The Jets very well could have and potentially should have won the game in Minnesota. They went one of six in the red zone. That's obviously going to be a big focus for the Jets, who really haven't found the end zone a whole lot recently. And then you think about what the Jets did in Buffalo. Everyone's considering, like, oh, Mike White played pretty well in Buffalo, given the circumstances, where the game was, the weather, just how good of a team Buffalo is. And so it's an interesting kind of, um, I don't know what the right word is, but on one end, people, I think, look at the situation and you're like, you know, Mike definitely gives us the best chance to win. That's why he's named starter. And then on the other hand, the Jets are one and two with Mike White in the game. Do you think that the missing piece is as simple as the balance on offense, or is it something more than that? I, I think that there's a couple of the, the, the few missing pieces. Number one, 
The balance on offense is the key to this one. Also, you said it before. I think you said they're the 29th ranked scoring defense, the Seahawks, meaning this is the team where you can see how the red area really works. We're also kind of being a little unfair to Mike White in the sense of, sure, those passing numbers are out of control, but I don't think he passes for 300 yards in this one because I don't think he'll have to because of the balance. But also, it's only three games. That's like preseason if you think about it, right? So the ability to create a little bit more consistency in the red area, that's what this game will be all about. Because, again, I know he started last year, but that, totally different season, totally different opportunity, totally different pass catchers. So when you're looking at the opportunity, it's really now we're starting to see what can really happen. Because, sure, those passing numbers are fun. They're very cool. Fantasy managers are really happy about them. But in real life, the reality is, is, He'll be getting better and better and better the more chemistry and the more opportunities. Just like you and I take reps together, I say it all the time, we get better every single podcast because we kind of can anticipate where the other one's going. Same thing with Mike White and this ability to connect with his pass catchers and also diagnose the defense. This Pete Carroll is very good at mixing up coverages, showing weird leverages, meaning is it man? Is it zone? Ahead of the snap is trying to confuse someone who doesn't have a lot of NFL experience. So this is a game where Mike White will be smarter and smarter and we'll be able to see that become kind of one of those things where it just you're like, oh, like he only has he's, he only has to pass for 270 yards. But this is three touchdowns, right? Because it's a lot more efficient. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out on Sunday. I think the crazy part for me is that this is Mike White's seventh start in the NFL and the passing numbers are off the charts. Definitely something to keep in mind as the Jets keep on moving forward here. Only two weeks left in the season, which is I have absolutely a request. crazy. Okay. How do I get one of those Mike White t-shirts? Oh. Who do I got to yeah, know? Uh, great question. To get a Mike great White question. t-shirt. I think we can make something happen. You know, I want to wear it up coming into in game word. day morning at like three in the morning. My like every, you know, who will love it more than anything? Rich Eisen, biggest Jets yeah. fan around. If I had a Mike White t-shirt, that would be so funny because he might be a little jealous and I kind of like making Rich jealous. You know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll play some calls. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll write some letters if I have to. We'll make it happen. Mike White. It's Cynthia. May I please have a t-shirt? Thank you. That boom. There it is. Signed, sealed, <laughs> delivered. Right in from wherever they ship, wherever mm -hmm. they manufacture, boom, right to Cynthia Freeland in Perfect. Newport Beach? Hermosa. Hermosa Beach. I always get that mixed up. Newport my would uncle, be a heck of a Newport. commute to Inglewood. It would be okay. really hard to commute. Newport would be like, I mean, it's like another, it'd probably be like an hour and a half commute. I understand that doesn't seem okay. like a lot, but Hermosa Beach. that'd be an hour and a half, like no traffic, which could be like seven hours with traffic. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not it. Okay, no. Hermosa Beach. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget it after that. <laughs> now we're going to the second quarter. We got to talk about Geno Smith, okay? Gino! Because this is like, have you ever seen anything like this? Where, by the way, Geno Smith before this year, his career high in passing yards was 3,046. That was in 2013 as a rookie with the New York Jets, <clears throat> and now he's having a career year. 3,886 yards, career high, 27 touchdown passes, nine interceptions. His career high as a starter was 13, and that was back in 2014. And he's completing a league high 70, 70, 0.7% of his passes. Mm -hmm. Like, have mm -hmm. you ever seen anything like this to be in year nine and to have this, to have the type of year where 
you're not only having a career year, you're having one of the best years in the NFL? I mean, I love it. I, I don't know if I've seen it before. I, I feel like it's a great comeback story. I love that of those 27 passing touchdowns, 25 of those are on those downfield passes that we talked about, the 10-plus air yard passes. So what I'm trying to say is that it's not just his receivers creating magic for him after the catch. There's no run after the catch there necessarily. It's really he's doing the work too. The downfield passes are working. The deep ball is working. That's It's been really fun. I just need to know. You know, remember that after the first Broncos game when he's like, I the, I told him that, whatever that quote was. I want to know, like, how long he had been rehearsing that. Like, 2015, 2016. <laughs> like, how long has that one been in the can waiting to come out, you know? Yeah, so – if you don't know what Cynthia is referring to, week one, Russell Wilson plays his former team as a Denver Bronco. The Seahawks win. And I think it was Lisa Salters of ESPN. I think it was an ESPN game. And she, I think it was Monday night. And she goes, you know, what do you say to the people that have written you off? And Geno Smith says, well, I didn't write back. That, that line went viral because, one, it's a fantastic line. Rehearsed mm-hmm. or not, the fact that he thought of it, incredible. Totally. I think... I mean, it's it's a great story, to your point. This is, like, what makes the NFL the NFL. You could try to write this kind of stuff as as you wish, and going into the year, I think the the thought around Seattle was, like, this is a team in a rebuild. They'll have a mediocre year. They will have a potentially top-five pick, which they do because of the Denver Broncos, because they have the Denver Broncos pick, which is a top-five pick, and the Seahawks are definitely not in the top five. This Jets and the Seahawks both 7-8 and eight as we enter Week 17, both fighting for a chance at the playoffs. So I think that that's really going to be an interesting – the whole thing's really cool, right? But for the Jets on Sunday, going up against Geno Smith, he has good weapons. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, we'll see if he plays. Noah Fant, very talented. What's the way to slow him down? in terms of Geno and the rest of that offense? Well, I think that the, so first of all, when I was up there for training camp, remember they traded for Drew Locke and Noah fan. And everyone's like, mm-hmm. if they're not starting Drew Locke, are they even doing it right? Like, that's what the, the buzz was. Can you imagine? Like, we, like this is August. People are like, it can't be Geno. No way. It's Geno, blah, 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 blah. But I think that the one person we didn't mention when it comes to Geno is they need to be able to figure out the Kenneth Walker puzzle. This rookie has been absolutely great. Pete Carroll, obviously, Shane Waldron, actually, their offensive coordinator, has dialed up so many of the right things for this running back from Michigan State. I don't know. I had to add that in there because, you know, another green school. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. My hometown. Um, but, uh, but ultimately, Kenneth Walker has been really, really special. And his ability to gain yards after contact, outside the tackles, all of the areas that are really, really helpful for them. They've schemed really good ways to get him going to keep Geno Smith in these manageable downs and distances situations so that on like second and two, they can take that deep shot that ends up working out for them, right? If it's second and two, you think, run, buddy. This is Pete Carroll. All the man knows how to do is run the football. And then they throw the ball instead. So, you know, it's it's understanding that Pete has deviated from some of his play calling ways now that he doesn't have Russell Wilson. And now you're seeing, you know, the rookie is doing a really good job of helping them, but also they're mixing up the looks a little bit differently than they used to. The Seahawks not running in short distances. Where have we seen that movie before? Hmm. I don't know. I think Robert Sala might've been in Seattle at that time. 
this does mean a lot for Robert Sala, though, because he did he did coach under Pete Carroll, and he today and and other times in the past has said like, look, Pete Carroll and my time in Seattle means a lot to me. He actually, if we're gonna bring this full circle, Robert Sala's tenure in Seattle ended with a Super Bowl ring at MetLife Stadium. So that's some freaky foreshadow that happened way back when. But for the Seahawks, Tyler Lockett's been a staple there for a long time, way before DK Metcalf was even walked through the building with or without his shirt on, by the way. And so if I were DK, I wouldn't wear a shirt either, you know? Yep. Yep. I totally agree with that. (laughs) And so, but like Tyler Lockett, Cynthia, like, is he the straw that stirs the drink for that whole offense a little bit in terms of, Yes, over time, but this year, right now he's dealing with some injury. Like, if he doesn't play, and we don't know right now as we record if he will, like, how big of a loss is that for Seattle? So, it's a pretty significant loss for two reasons. Number one, Tyler Lockett is one of those receivers who, you know, we talk about, like, like route running precision. Like, being where your quarterbacks expects you on specific routes at specific times, Right. Well, Tyler Lockett is not only great at that, he's also excellent at adjusting when the play breaks down and things are nonsense. I mean, I think he got a lot of firsthand experience doing that because that's like Russell Wilson's bread and butter, right? Things break down, Russell Wilson improvises, that's how it worked. So Tyler Lockett, not only is he like beautiful route runner, but also the ability to adapt is something he has maybe instinctively or maybe he's learned or maybe it's both. So that's a big loss because DK is a bit of a different type of a receiver. DK is massive in like stature in every way possible, but he also, we've seen him be prone to some drops. We've seen some interesting things that just the polish that Tyler Lockett has. DK just doesn't have as much of the, I'm taking nothing away from DK. He's an excellent receiver, but he doesn't have the same level of polish as the Tyler Lockett, who maybe is one of the more underrated receivers in the entire league, because we don't ever talk about him amongst the ranks of like Devontae Adams or anyone like that. Right. So, you know, that's, that's a really huge loss. However, in this game, in this matchup, it's going to be tough, even if they have their full complement of receivers. Perhaps Noah Fant should be the one that's like, if you're like looking in fantasy, like, oh, got to stop Noah Fant. That's like kind of, I don't know, like that. That one seems more, I don't know, like likely if they're all playing. But when I'm looking at, you know, okay, look, uh, five point two and five point six. That's the respective yards per attempt allowed by both DJ Reed. He's first, five point two. And then, of course, Sauce Gardner at 5.6. So this is not a great opportunity on those downfield passes for a lot of connection. And in recent weeks, we've seen that number from Geno decline. It has. It's just it's a fact. Maybe it's because Tyler Lockett has been banged up. You know, there's some egg and there's some chicken here. But at the same time, we've seen those numbers decline and we've seen the Jets numbers increase. So perhaps and by the way, Jets are playing a little bit more man now and man on DK or man on Tyler is, is, is a little bit harder too for them. Okay. So a couple things here. I got two things. We can call it the two minute warning before we go to halftime. Ooh. One is, and they're, and they're just comments. They're, they're, they're not even questions. They're just comments. You mentioned Noah Fant. Well, Evan Ingram for the Jaguars last Thursday led all pass yep. catchers 
and the yep. Jaguars. Seven receptions, 113 yards, something to think about for this Sunday, especially if you're in the fantasy championship. And then the other thing that I'm really interested to see in terms of the matchup Sunday, you mentioned DK and Tyler Lockett and DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner. Obviously, this is going to be like a fun matchup to watch between those four guys. I want to know if, or I'm curious if maybe the Jets try to shadow a little more than they have. We've only seen it a couple times. We saw it against the Bills when Stephon Diggs lined up against Sauce in the beginning of the game. That was mostly DJ Reed. Well, DK Metcalf is a lot taller and thicker than DJ Reed. But if he lined up against Sauce Gardner, you're talking about 6'4 DK Metcalf, 6'3 Sauce Gardner. DK's 35 pounds heavier than saw. So just something to keep in mind as the Jets line up defensively, who's going to be where. I think it's going to be interesting. Now for halftime, you know, I, I figured this is going to be unique because usually we talk about something non-football related, but because this mm-hmm. is the game preview podcast, I think that we're not really going to touch on this in terms of one of the four quarters, but it's very pertinent because there are only two weeks left in the season. Jets and the playoffs. Those two words have not really been synonymous as of late, they have a 10-year drought. The path is crystal clear for the Jets. You win each of your next two. The Patriots lose slash tie one of their next two against Miami this week, against the Bills next week. And if the Jets win both, the Patriots lose one or tie one, the Jets are in. Simple as that. With that being said, what is your take on the situation that lies ahead for the Jets? And how big of a loss is Tua Tungavailoa for the Dolphins going up against so, the Patriots? First of all, I have the Patriots holding up their end of the bargain for the Jets this week. That said that really backwards. Okay. AKA, I have them losing. <laughs> so, you, so you have the Dolphins beating the Patriots. I do. Even with Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback. Let's just put it that way, number one. And number two, look, I'm very worried about Teddy Bridgewater just on a human element. Like, I hope he's okay. Like, that's really scary. You You mean Tua. You said Teddy, I think. Oh, sorry. I hope Tua's okay. Yes, very scary. We hope Teddy's okay, too, but... I hope everyone's okay, but Tua specifically, (laughs) like, like for his whole life, like I, I, you know, there are things that are more important, you know, like, so like, please get better, please get better. That being said, they have had a full week to figure out how to game plan for this specific matchup. And the Patriots secondary is quite beatable. So I think that, you know, I think the Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, the fact that I saw them blocking for each other, you watch the Jalen Waddle, like, deep passes or you watch the Tua to you know Tyreek like all of the run after catch stuff and you know who's the lead blocker the other one like I don't care which one it is it's the other one that's blocking for them so I think that the Dolphins and especially because we've also seen some nonsensical things getting away from the run game and now they're Teron Armstead should be back who what, what, left I don't know left tackle is important aka um but at the end of the day like they'll get back to more of a running attempt as well so to me, I think that the Dolphins, even kind of inexplicably, they take care of business in this one. So they help the Jets out. I have the Jets. Oh, my God. I, I don't want to, you know, I have the Jets doing their part to stay playoff eligible as well. So okay. nothing's 100%. You know, like everyone gets mad at me because they're like, oh, 56%. Blah, 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 blah. Like, that's a lot, folks. That's not a yeah. small number. 
Like, I understand some other models. Like, you know, ESPN has an awesome model. A lot of people have great models. Their, more, their models have huge fluctuations. My model, I don't have any time where a team, maybe once where a team is like 99% chance to win and then the other team wins. Because that's just not how it works over 20 seasons, right? So it's rare. To, these big fluctuations, they don't happen with the way that I model. So 56 is a lot. 56%. So Okay. That, I'm glad you said that. First of all, I feel that way. Just as a side note, I feel that way when people like rate food. They're like, oh, it's a seven. I'm like, listen, seven's a big number because five is average. So if a meal is average, yep. it's a five. Simple as that. That's not a harsh grade. You have to keep that in mind. So with that being said, to put a bow on that, you have next week, week 18, being a win and in situation for the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. Because in your model, you have the Dolphins winning, which eliminates the Patriots, and the Jets winning, which means that the seventh seed in the AFC comes down to the Week 18 season finale in South Florida, Jets-Dolphins, in what should be, and I think a lot of fans would hope to be, the Sunday night game, because that would be incredible. Winning in. Listen. Yeah. The man who runs Sunday Night Football is a very smart man. It's all about I didn't I didn't I I was saying to I I give my unsolicited picks for who which game I'd like to watch <laughs> okay. in that window. He never asks, but I tell him anyways. And I'm like, yes. "Can we do this one and this there's some rules about which network broadcast network has it." I'm like, "Just go get it." <laughs> I just yeah. flex blah 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 I don't know any of it just go get the good games we want the good games yeah. no more of this that, I I almost that'd be fell incredible. asleep I almost oh, fell asleep watching yeah. the Colts the Colts that game mm-hmm. was like the Colts and the Chargers was like I gotta I gotta go I gotta oh good thing I'm getting paid to do this oh I gotta go I gotta yeah. go so so what you're saying is that you would want Jets Dolphins in there that's I that's need what Jets I Dolphins there I need it Okay, I'm glad that was that was a great halftime. And that no was, one uh, wants that was, Jaguars Titans. If that's what it ends up being, I'm gonna lose my mind. No one wants that. That's the game. No one wants. Okay. Because so, if Derrick Henry ev- isn't 100, percent that's not even gonna be a good game. Everyone, cross your fingers that Cynthia's model comes to fruition <laughs> because next week would be a true win-and-in scenario, and it wouldn't be anything but controlling your own destiny. It, that would be a lot of fun. Okay. Come before- on, make it happen. I can come to a playoff game. Come on. I love it. Before that, though, the Jets need to take care of business Sunday in Seattle. So, yes, they end the season back-to-back road games. Mm. With that being said, this is kind of, for the third quarter, this is kind of a, it's kind of a storyline for the game, I would say, but it's not individually matched up in terms of player and player. But these two teams, Jets, Seahawks, have debatably the top two rookie classes in the NFL, you have Pro Bowl corner Sauce Gardner. You have Pro Bowl corner Tariq Woolen, who ties for the NFL lead with six interceptions. Then you're talking about two starters for the Seahawks on the offensive line, left and right tackle, in terms of Charles Cross, the number nine pick, Abraham Lucas, the third round pick, Kenneth Walker in the backfield, the second running back taken in the draft. The first one was, of course, Brees Hall, who will not play in Sunday's game because he's on. But also reserve. needs to be like, factored in there. Yes. And then in the secondary also for the Seahawks is Sauce Gardner's teammate Kobe Bryant, who the Jets coached at the Senior Bowl. A lot of storylines here. All this to say, though, is like how rare is this? Like for to have the amount of rookies on each individual team playing at the level that they are. I mean, look, 
every season before this past year, I think when we thought about Pete Carroll, you're like, well, he has Russell Wilson. And then you're like, okay, well, uh, but I guess maybe this is my, like, we, we got to give Pete Carroll his flowers because the man can coach. The man can figure it out. No Russell Wilson. Everyone thought this team was garbage and now look at where they are. Right? Like, so lots of, lots of great storylines here. I mean, look, like we, we love the coach of the Jets, of course, but his mentor, they've learned each other. Like, that's that's a very that's a very cool kind of situation. And the fact that these teams, like the the Seahawks are known for having good drafts, but the Jets just absolutely have crushed. Not just this past draft, but the draft before. Like so many great players coming out of the lot. Like since I mean, we, like I think we have to give lot, lots of credit. Lots of credit due here. Yeah, I, I think it's a great point. And I think the I think a lot of classes get compared. Like when you have a good draft class, everyone I think immediately the comparison is like the 2017 Saints draft class because it felt like that was a <laughs> franchise-altering draft class for totally. New Orleans with Ryan Ramchek, Alvin Kamara, Marshawn Lattimore, Trey Hendrickson. The Cincinnati Bengal was a part of that as well. Like there were a lot of core pieces there, yep. and for the Jets between last year in 2021 and this year in 2022. Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall, Jermaine Johnson. Like, there are a lot of pieces here yes. for both for the Jets moving forward and a lot of young, young pieces here. So that was a fun little note. But for the Seahawks, as we end the third quarter, just Tariq Woolen, we got to talk about him because it seems like he's getting the most, one, he's getting the most love considering he's a pro bowler. But... The, the flashy numbers are there in terms of the interceptions. How is he playing on a down-in and down-out basis? He's a, he's a risk-taker, right? Like, so, I mean, for me, it's maybe not as true anymore, but, you know, you think of, like, the old, like, Marcus Peters, like, like jump and you get this, like, you get this interception or you can get beat. That's kind of, it's a more risk, he's more of the risk-taker, but that's a good like good compliment to what they have going on with their total secondary. So that's the cool part about what you've seen from Tariq Woolen is he's been able to handle himself. This is not a good defense overall. When your run defense is as vulnerable as the Seahawks run defense has been, and you're asked to come in and like, like that is not fun. That is not a fun situation to be in. So when you're getting those passes, you're getting them in situations where you don't know if a pass is coming, right? Second and two, like I, I keep saying that, or third and two, they could run, they could pass, whatever, right? So you're being asked to defend like some pretty gnarly passes. And you have to remember, he was putting up these good numbers before the Rams got bad, that's not very nice to say, but it is the truth. <laughs> and also, I mean, look, Cooper Cup was there. He's great, like, obviously. So, you know, these are against some real teams. Like, nobody thought that the NFC West would shake out the way that it has shook out. But, you know, that is where they're I, – I give him a ton of credit. He has done really well. The, their secondary is – their young secondary is a really bright spot of this team. Look, I'm not going to say that there's – a pipeline between the senior bowl and the Seahawks, but just because Jim Nagy used to be a scout in Seattle, but this draft class, Kobe Bryant, mm -hmm. Abraham Lucas, uh, who was, who was the other guy? I was just a uh, Tariq Woolen, all senior mm -hmm. bowl guys, Jim Nagy doing a great job in mobile, Alabama. Shout out to Jim. Mm -hmm. And then let's wrap up in the fourth quarter here, Cynthia, the Jets offensive line and the rushing game for the New York Jets, their running game, because when the Jets run the ball over a hundred yards, 
which is not like a huge number to begin with. They've only lost one game this year. They've won five. So clearly when the Jets run the ball, they have success as a team. How do the Jets get back to their winning ways in terms of the offensive line? And is it as simple as having Mike White complete some of those intermediate passes? So Mike White with short passes because – by the way, last week in the beginning of the game, before things got out of hand, you saw Patrick Mahomes target pass catchers out of his backfield because some of them weren't even just running backs, but they were pass catchers out of the backfield and be super successful from them. So that's an interesting note. But I think like if Zonovan Knight doesn't have a touchdown in this game, I'll lose my mind because this is the perfect opportunity for what he does really, really well. If I'm a fantasy manager, I am all shares in. I am not worried. Do not even like no hesitation there for me in that one at all. It's going to be – this is like the, the the type of game that the offensive coordinator's like, ah, this one makes a ton of sense to me for a lot of reasons. One, experience with Seattle, duh. Number two, this is a run opportunity where creative run plays and short passes, oh, let's make that the bread and butter, and then we can get Mike White slanging it when it's the opportunity to have that nice deep pass that they're looking for. This one feels like it is the right chess piece for what this team does really well, as opposed to, you know, other other defenses, the matchup isn't as great. This is the game where the run makes total sense. Look, I've loved a lot about this podcast. Nothing more than you just saying Mike White slanging it. <laughs> Did you think I was just going to let that slip? That was incredible. <laughs> I, I don't know if we can come back from that. I will say, though, in terms of the Jets running the ball, the Seahawks, each of their last three home games have allowed an average of 150 yards per game on the ground. That bodes well for Zonovan Bam Knight, bodes well for Michael Carter, the Jets' offensive line, Dwayne Brown, George Fant, two former Seattle Seahawks going back to Seattle. There's a lot of like. First time in Brown's career. Yeah. Yeah. I like, you like it. that. That'll be the I first like time all in Brown's the, like, career going like back. Like BJ Reed revenge, Geno Smith yep. revenge. There's a lot of like potential revenge narratives. I wonder which revenge play. We need to pick a list of like this one revenge versus this one revenge and see which one. I don't know which one there's more of. <laughs> I think I think that the DJ Reed Dwayne Brown dynamic is probably a little more top of mind because this is the first time that they're playing their former team. Now, Geno Smith has been in the league nine years. However, not as a starter for all nine. So this is probably his first crack at going against the Jets as a starter. Yeah, he came in what? In relief after Russell Wilson threw, threw a bunch of touchdown yep. pats. Like, that doesn't count. I think yep. the DJ Reed one's funny because he's going to be like, hey, it's like like uh, like his revenge body because he's like so, so, so good this year, right? Like, he's like Khloe Kardashian coming in and being like, hey, see me now? Just put me on the outside. That's where I play best. Wow. <laughs> Wow, we got a Kardashian reference on the pod. This is fantastic. This is incredible. We've lost it. We've officially gone crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, on that note, I'm going to wait to ask you your New Year's resolution for Week 18 because that's what we're going to do. Maybe even after that. Who knows? But Happy New Year, Cynthia. Thank you again for the podcast. That was the Game Preview Podcast. Week 17, Jets Seahawks in Seattle. I hope you have a wonderful New Year's, and we'll talk to you next week, hopefully after your model comes to fruition. Let's go. Um, And maybe next week we'll get a surprise appearance from the little fuzzy one over there because right before I turned the lights on, he was in here with his cute little face, just and then I turned the lights on and all bets went. Okay, next week, next week we're seeing Gordy. 
And if you're listening, maybe you'll hear a bark. And that's how you wrap it up. He talks. 